I went to Rutgers University and it's a giant school. And I learned quickly when I started to slowly fail, I was like, oh, I need to make sure my teacher knows who I am. I went to all office hours and told them like, hey, I just have struggles with learning certain things. Can you just help me out with this? All of my professors knew who I was because I was there all the time, just taking as much as I could to figure out how to learn these things. And it did help me in the long run. Hello, and welcome to the Black and Dyslexic Podcast with Winifred A. Winston and Lederick Horn, the show that unapologetically focuses on helping Black and underrepresented minorities navigate the special education process. We want to help raise awareness in the Black and Brown community, remove the stigma about learning disabilities, and provide you access to professionals in the space of dyslexia and special education that you need to hear from. Hey guys, I'm Winifred A. Winston. Hey, and it's Ladera Corn. We just want to say a few words before you hear this amazing interview with uh, Brittany. I found Brittany on Instagram. Brittany is a, um, a cultural journalist who actually went viral after she wrote, I crushed Craigslist and OK Cupid for dates so that she could eat. <laughs> Right. And I think <laughs> right. like dubbed like the dinner whore or something like that. And I came across an article where she talked about that she was dyslexic and some of the challenges she faced being a, a journalist who writes for a living, who yeah. struggled to write and spell correctly. And I, you right. know, in, in listening to this interview that throughout it all, I was smiling, you know, as an adult, as an entrepreneur, as a poet who is also dyslexic. It was great to hear Brittany be so open and honest and candid about her challenges with editing and the writing, the writing process and being able to get, you know, those clean assignments submitted to the people who, uh, you know, who are expecting us to write. Um, I really appreciated being able to hear from her and to hear her utilizing many of the same strategies that I use, you know, one being technology, you know, like spell check allows me to be a, to be a writer, but then also being able to depend upon a close circle of friends and family, you know, to read over the work when, when we need to, um, to make sure that that word is the right word. And it's, a, this is a really fun interview. And I think that our, our listeners will appreciate it. Yeah. And I just want to say also that we talk a lot um, about children. We talk a lot about K-12 education uh, on the podcast. You guys are going to hear from, from specialists and, and tutors and, and advocates, but you know, um, there are a lot of adults who did not get identified, who did not get the um, assistance that they need, and they're out there working. And so some of these challenges they still face, and it doesn't go away just because you're an adult, right? So I thought it was very important that we just touch on a little bit of everything. So I really wanted to showcase and really have Brittany share her story because she is a professional. She is in a field that a lot of people wouldn't think that somebody who has dyslexia and struggles to, to read and spell would be in, right? And she's right. killing it, right? Yeah. Right. So I mentioned that she went viral like way back in, I don't know, 2015 or so. But I mean, Lizzo just shared one of her tweets, right? Like Lizzo reshared something because she wrote something else about why everybody triggered by Lizzo. You know right. what I'm saying? So <laughs> I just want, I'm so passionate, you guys. I just want to give you everything. I just want to give yeah. it all to you. So Without further ado, it is the Black and Dyslexic Podcast. Welcome, Brittany. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, yes. So, Brittany, like I said, you're a journalist. 
and mm-hmm. you're dyslexic. Mm-hmm. So tell me how that was for you just growing up as a child. Like I know, I know you didn't find out until later on, but tell us your journey and how things started for you in school. So I come from a very, um, everyone's in education in my family. Like my mom worked for the school district and I have a lot of teachers in my family. So education was very important. And I had a sister who was excelling and everything. And school was just so difficult for me. And no one could understand why it was difficult for me because it was easy for them and they did well. And I just couldn't grasp things. You know, when we were talking, you were saying like, it's hard for me to sound things out. And I had issues with that. I could not figure out how to sound out words. Words were just so difficult for me. And I loved books. I loved, um, you know, reading and hearing stories. But it was so difficult for me to read because words were so scrambled. And then you're in classrooms and people are, you know, your teacher is telling you, can you read this for me? And I'm like, oh, God, you know, the panic gets in you. And you're like, I do not want to read because I'm going to, you know, mess up and embarrass myself in front of my classmates because I... I just screwed up this word or I saw a different word. And so it was just super difficult for me. And my mom was semi-patient. She was really trying to figure out what exactly is wrong with you. Uh, Not in that kind of way, but you know what I mean. But for so many years, it was just really difficult. She was able to give me like extended time, but you know, people still didn't know exactly what was wrong with me. They were like, are you just lazy? Are you just not understanding it? Do you not care about school? And I was like, I do. I just can't do it. Oh, wow. See, that's the last thing you want to tell a child who has a learning disability. Are you lazy? Because they're working super hard, right? So no one said, well, let's get you evaluated. Let's do a test and see what comes back. So I did some tests. And for some reason, they couldn't detect what exactly was wrong with me. Um, I wasn't placed in special ed um, like classes or anything like that. I just had extended time. My mom allowed me to get tutoring, but they didn't know. That. They just thought I was just bad at school. That was always just like, you're not applying yourself to excel. That was yeah, always just yeah. like the and thought the, process. The extended time is just the accommodation. You needed an intervention. And so what I tell parents is, You had a homework tutor, right? A homework Mm -hmm. tutor that's going to help reinforce what you learned and maybe push you ahead. You needed a specialized tutor. You needed an interventionist. You needed Mm -hmm. someone who knew about learning disabilities and say, hey, this young lady is bright. We just need to teach her in a way that works for her learning style. Right. Right. So you went through uh, elementary all all through school, elementary like that, just extended time. Yep. Just that. And kind of being like, I think I'm a little bit different. I think I can't, I'm learning in a different way, but no one could ever pinpoint exactly what it was until I was in high school. And, um, and then I, I was like, oh, well, now I'm off to college. What am I supposed to do now? <laughs> you know, like this doesn't help me. So what grade were you in, in high school when you found out? I found out, I want to say 11th grade like right before I was starting to apply to schools. And so I was really nervous about like, am I even going to be able to, you know, graduate? I had a counselor that was told me like, I don't think you should apply to four-year school since we know that you're dyslexic. Um, maybe you should think of a two-year school or maybe a trade school because I don't think you're going to graduate. And so now I'm like, damn, now I'm not going to graduate because I'm dyslexic. <laughs> 
Oh, wow. So, okay. So when you finally got the diagnosis, how did that make you feel? I think a little bit of relief, but like I said earlier, I was just like, well, what am I supposed to do with this information? I didn't have anybody to help me. Like, okay, so now that we know you're dyslexic, here's what you need to do. And it wasn't until I was in college that I had to like teach myself how I can learn with my disability. Um, So that was difficult to adjust and figure that out on my own. So when you went to college, how did you know to ask for help or where to go to get help? Right. Because Uh, at that point, (laughs) you've got to advocate for yourself. Right. You didn't have an IEP, but in K-12, if you get an IEP, your parents, the school, they kind of, you know, wrap their arms around you and say, "Okay, this is how we're going to help you. And now you're off to college and you just heard like, "Okay, I'm dyslexic and maybe you shouldn't even go. And here you graduate and you make it and you go. So now what? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I had to learn quickly, um, especially because you're in a classrooms with like 200 kids. I, I went to Rutgers University and it's a, just a giant school. And I learned quickly when I started to slowly fail. I was like, oh, I need to make sure my teacher knows who I am. I went to all office hours and told them like, hey, I just have struggles with um learning certain things. Can you just help me out with this? All of my professors knew who I was because I was there all the time, just taking as much as I could to figure out how to learn these things. And it did help me in the long run, especially in like science and math classes where um, I would have a lot of difficulties with like numbers and them being scrambled a lot as well. Yep. So did you get accommodations in college? I did not actually. Um, Yeah. With your evaluation and your testing in what, your junior year, because typically mm-hmm. a college will ask for an evaluation that's maybe two to three years old, and right. then you can get um, accommodations, and, and accommodations in college look a lot different than high school. So you could have gotten like um, a ton of assistive technology, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. Wow. So that is very interesting, Brittany. Mm-hmm. You were out there like, I'm going to figure this out. I was I also had a mom my mom was like you are graduated for college so I had no other choice um to figure it out and uh, luckily I did graduate and I I I passed all my classes that is awesome now tell me about this did you start researching dyslexia did you start learning about like okay what dyslexia is what it isn't and what strategies would actually help you because you were dyslexic I had a professor who I became close with during those office hours and was just telling her, like, I I know I'm dyslexic, but I don't know how to apply that to my workload and how I can, you know, learn from it. And she kind of just, like, helped me understand it a little bit that, like, I have difficulties with, you know, reading comprehension and what that means. And so she told me how I should, like, take time to read slowly, which I always had issues with, which just like, just going through it. And also, she was just like, you just need to take your time. And I think you have so much anxiety when you have dyslexia, because there's just so many things that can go wrong. And she was just really patient with me and understood that, like, these are just the things you need to do in order to succeed in college. It sounds like she might have, and I talked about this in another episode, she might have given you permission to make a mistake You know, Mm -hmm. like the permission to say, well, it's going to take me longer to read this, right? It's Mm -hmm. okay. You just have to do it differently. Okay. You can read it and get through it, but take your time. 
And, and mm-hmm. so you probably were like, okay, okay. So tell me about being a journalism major. When we started, when we were chatting early, I told you I was a broadcast journalism major. And I know there is a ton of writing, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes that writing doesn't even follow the normal APA style or whatever. Some of the things right. that we have to write, like when you talk about scripts or you know, certain types of written media that needs to go out as you're learning because you learn a little bit of everything. So tell me, like, how did you decide on that major and how was it going through college majoring in something that directly, you know, like dyslexia impacts the ability? It's not a reading disability. Like a lot of people think it is a language-based learning disability that impacts the ability Mm -hmm. to read, write, and spell. So now you're this broadcast, well, journalism major. So how was that in college? So I'll back up a little bit about two things. So originally, I really wanted to do radio when I was younger. And I was like, I loved listening to the radio. And I was like, I want to do this. But I also knew that reading out loud was so difficult for me that I was like, okay, I got to figure something different. Um, And... So I decided to not do radio. I think I did radio for my freshman year. And I just decided like, this is too much for me. So I decided to do writing because I remembered I had a a teacher in eighth grade who was like, you're a great writer. You have a little difficulties with your grammar, but you're a great writer. You're a great storyteller. And I was like, I love telling stories. I love, you know, I love reading pop culture. This is what I want to do. I want to write about music. And so that's when I decided, like, I'm going to be a writer. I know I have my difficulties with, like, grammar and, you know, things scrambling all over the place or, you know, a letter's left off. Like, today I had to write leaders, and I wrote leader. And my supervisor was like, hey, you need to add an S on that. But at Rutgers University, I did have to do a lot of writing, which I liked so much more than taking tests. But at Rutgers, we learned a lot about the journalism and different ways to do it. So I didn't really have to do the writing part as much. Um, but when I had to become a writer as, you know, in my career, I did notice a lot of my difficulties, you know, coming up to surface when I was writing. So when you started out, like, okay, you graduated and now you're out in, in the workplace and you know that you have these struggles. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think you talked about it um, in another article that I read, like, okay, is an editor going to want to work with me? Like, how did you overcome that fear? And how do you navigate that in the workplace now? I mean, it's difficult. I, I'm lucky I have a team of friends that will proofread my stuff whenever I need them, because I know I'm going to say the, have the wrong word in there or misspell something. Um, But I've had it where I read an email completely wrong and wrote a story one way and they were like, that's not what I was asking for. And that was just because of my dyslexia of just like completely seeing it completely different than what was actually there. And so I had to tell myself, okay, you have to take your time, read all the emails, read every contract you get, read every like guideline that's given to you so you know exactly how you're going to be doing this writing and how you're going to process it. Um, I pitch stories a lot. And so I'm working with different editors and I have to be on my P's and Q's because I don't want to lose the opportunity to write with them. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really difficult at times. There's, you know, there's moments where 
I'm like, how did I miss that? How, how was I not able to see that that word, like it should have been action, but it was auction that I wrote, you know yep, what I mean? Yep, yep. Um, and are they going to understand that that's just, my brain was just working a different way. I'm, it's not that I'm careless. It's just that my brain functions in a different way. Exactly. And see, that's what I really want to get out there is that it's not, I'm careless. I'm lazy. It's not attention to detail. And that's why I really want employers, right? I want employers to know, and I want to raise awareness in the workplace because these are things that if a supervisor, I remember talking to a supervisor once and I'm like, well, do you have someone who is the quickest thinker? They're always on point. And then when you go have them write something or they send an email, there's grammatical errors or it's all lowercase. And they're like, wait a minute. Oh my gosh, yes. Like that person may have a learning disability. And sometimes we know if you're not getting identified in school, right, in K-12, you may or may not get identified in college. And most often, if you do, you may not still learn certain strategies that you need to overcome it. So assistive technology and being able to have an extended time. Um, I know I talked mm -hmm. to someone and he says that he tells his employer, look, I'm dyslexic and he got remediation and interventions, but he was like, I'm a lot slower. I cannot produce a paper in a week. He was like, it, I can't. He said, my anxiety is going to go high. It's, I'm going to be sweating. He was like, I need two weeks. So he says that he, you know, he let them know up front because he was like, I know what I have the capacity to do and what I can't do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, you know, there are tools or there are slight little changes that can be made to accommodate those in the workplace who have um, dyslexia and even ADHD, because that impacts um, prioritizing and, you know, time management, organizational skills. But these are quotation earmarks, the hidden disabilities. Right. right. When mm -hmm. someone sees an error, it's just like, okay, go back and correct that. Right. Like, like not even thinking. And um, I talked to someone else one time and she said to me that she did not know she was dyslexic and she worked in education. She was an administrator in higher ed. And she said, when she found out, she was so relieved because she says, whenever someone, she had a grammatical error and they would tell her, she said she couldn't find it. Mm -hmm. Right. I like, that issue too. Yeah. Yeah. She can't find it. So it may come across as she's being defiant or not, mm -hmm. you know, hearing them. close attention. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're ignoring me. I told you that was wrong. She says, so now when they tell her, oh, you have an error, she's like, oh, thank you. Tell me what it is. I'm dyslexic. And I don't know the difference between the C, the K and the S. <laughs> <laughs> so she said, I'm not being, it's not intentional. I can't find the error. Like right. I spelled mm -hmm. it wrong, but you're going to have to tell me which word it is because I don't know that I spelled it wrong. Yeah. And it's so interesting. Like I cannot edit my own work because I can't, you know, identify what's wrong. I mean, there's certain things where I'm like, okay, I, I spelled that wrong. But a lot of times I can't see where the errors are, but I can edit someone else's work really well, which is really weird. Um, and I can do like, crosswords and like you know scrambled words really well um mm -hmm. but I cannot see my own errors and when you brought up ADHD I was just diagnosed with ADHD and like I'm like oh my god I wish I knew like I wish I knew I was dyslexic when I was younger I wish I knew I had ADHD when I was younger school would have been so much easier I was like I could have been a doctor you know <laughs> 
Yes, yes. It's, you know, it's, that's why I, I want to talk about it and put it out there because culturally, we just don't talk about these things, right? We don't talk about learning disabilities, mental illness, and, and a lot of times having these learning disabilities can trigger mental illness. You can be depressed, right? I remember being in third grade um, and I got switched from one third grade class to another. And I remember like, wow, their spelling words are a lot longer than my other class. And I remember practicing every word because, you know, when the teacher was going to call on me, I wanted to be prepared. I wanted to hopefully by then figure out that word. And I remember one day I just couldn't take it anymore. I started crying and the teacher was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I was like, my mommy does my homework. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. My mother called me all kind of stupid. Like, why would you say that? But I didn't know how to say, I don't feel smart. Like, I don't mm-hmm. feel as smart as these other kids. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times it's one thing being a, a, a child and not really knowing how to articulate it. But now I know with, with knowing that I'm ADHD, a lot of times when you're neurodivergent, you really don't respond the way others do to certain situations, right? Mm -hmm. So someone else might have told the truth. When you're ADHD, sometimes you're impulsive. It just comes out. Anything will come out. and It is not necessarily (laughs) the right thing, but it's your way of getting it out, right? Mm -hmm. So I I struggle with that too. Like, dang, if I would have known that, things would have been a lot easier, right? Mm -hmm. But we don't talk about it. And I can't even imagine coming from a family of educators, right? And then everyone else excelling and doing well. And then you're like, wait a minute, I'm dyslexic and ADHD. And I remember back in the day, they used to just lump all special education kids in one class. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't even like, you know, you have a developmentally delayed and intellectually delayed dyslexia, whatever. If you learned differently, you were just lumped in this class and you weren't necessarily even then getting what you needed. You were just labeled special education and in this class. So it's just crazy that when you find out later in life and you're like, wait a minute, why didn't I know this? And as a culture, as black folks, you know, just culturally, we don't ask for help because everybody think we want a handout. So I think it's like, no, we can work hard. We're going to dot every I and and cross every T and we're going to get this and and you're Mm going to do well and you're going to work hard. Well, when you're neurodivergent, you're always working hard. Yeah. You're working twice as hard as everybody else. Twice as Uh, hard. Even though it doesn't look like it, (laughs) but you are. And I think there's also that, you know, um, when you hear that someone's in special education, there's just that negative connotation that goes along with it and you feel like insecure about the fact that you learn differently and I I, especially when you're black and you go to a mostly white school yes it's just it's just difficult and I think in our community it's just always been like something that's you don't want to be you don't want to be different in that kind of way and so that's just something that I know that I had issues with growing up learning that I knew I had something different. I knew I technically could be in a special ed class. I wasn't sure why I wasn't, um, but I was also scared of like, what if I, one day I'm just going to end up being in that, in a special education room. But why is that a bad thing? Exactly. You learn differently. So I had a parent, um, you know, talk to me about, he was a dad and he was concerned about the label and different things like that. And I'm like, well, okay, let me ask you something. 
I was building him up. So I said, you're a very handsome man. He's oh, thank you. I said, well, I mean, how many women have you dated that, that you know were ADHD or dyslexic? He was like, what do you mean? I said, where does it go after K-12? He said, huh? I said, think about it. We're adults now. He was like, what? wait a minute. I'm like, it doesn't, what, what happens after K-12? Right? Because in college, you have to self-advocate. Right. Nobody's going to say, oh, you have a learning disability. Here's some accommodations. Right. You have to go and do that. And when you get into the workplace, you have to ask and advocate. Right. You have to self-advocate. I said, so your child after high school, after we get them what they need, who's going to know? Who's going to know? But when they know as a child, like I see a total difference in my daughter, she advocates, she self-advocates. So we've got to start talking about it and having these conversations and really um, normalizing learning differently, right? you know, and just really normalize it so that kiddos will feel comfortable um, and parents will feel comfortable that, hey, my kid learns differently, but they can be great, right? They can be great. I was featuring, um, you know, as I featured you on Instagram, I was featuring Mm -hmm. celebrities and I was like, you know what? Everybody can't identify with celebrities. Let me get some everyday people, mm-hmm. right? And and kids were DMing me. Oh my gosh, that. thank you. That's given me so much hope. Oh my gosh, you know, the firefighter, the barbershop owner, the principal, you know, and they like to mm-hmm. see the celebrities up in there too. But I thought it was really important that I'm like, let me talk to some regular people who are successful in their own right, who are doing amazing work. Right. So Brittany, tell us about some of your articles, some things that you've written, because I know from reading, but everybody listening might not know. Um, So tell us about that, because I want to end on a note that shows that you're the, you know, bomb.com when it comes to this. It's not just (laughs) I love to write and then I decided to keep doing this, but you're damn good at it. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah, I've done a lot of writing of I love pop culture and music. My first like viral article that I wrote was about how I use dating apps to get free meals. And if you Google my name, the Daily Mail called me a dinner whore, which is not fun. But (laughs) so, you know, that was an interesting way to start off my career. But I've also written a lot about music and I love Janet Jackson. And I, I do like to say that I wrote an article about how I really wanted her to at least be on the ballot of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because she's incredibly talented with so many accolades. And it wasn't until that article went viral that people were starting to have the conversation like, yeah, Janet should be on the ballot. And the following year, she was on the ballot. And I think the year after, she finally got inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So that's a little bit. I also write, you know, music reviews and movie reviews and you know, fun things about my life, whether it being dates that I go on or how I have dyslexia and I'm a journalist, but that's a little bit of a taste of what I've written. Oh, thank you. That's awesome. So let me find out. Brittany is the reason that Janet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the direct line. I really believe I am. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brittany. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, guys, there you have it. Brittany dropped some gems and some key takeaways I want you to hear is that she came from a family of educators, right? So they still didn't know. 
And we know that in education, our uh, teachers aren't being taught about structured literacy and dyslexia, right? And so you can have a teacher that cares, that's passionate, that has good intention, and they not know, right? So it's okay to learn, read, educate them. We also learn that accessing tools and advocating for yourself, that is key. Brittany said all her professors knew her. That is called advocating. That is self-advocacy, right? If you don't do it, who's going to do it? Brittany said all her professors knew her. She went to all the office hours, right? So that's a key, key takeaway. And now at work, she has a tribe. She has people that she trusts that she can say, hey, I need you to read over this before I submit it, right? And so in the workplace, she has a network. So employers, it's easy. Mentorship right? It's easy. Who wants to be on this team? Who's a good writer? Who wants to be a reviewer for someone? These are little nuggets, little things that we can do to make uh, for an inclusive uh, workplace, right? And make everyone feel welcome and removing that stigma that just because you have a learning difference or you're different that you can't do the job because Brittany can do the job and she's doing the job, okay? She helped Janet out. (laughs) (laughs) Tune in next week where we'll continue to bring you lived experiences and more unfiltered conversations with experts in the field around all things Black and dyslexic. Make sure you subscribe and follow the Black and Dyslexic podcast, where we educate, empower, and equip Black and underrepresented minorities. The Black and Dyslexic podcast is partially funded by Morgan Cares and the Center for Urban Health Disparities Research and Innovation, awarded by the National Institute of Minority Health and Health Disparities. The Black and Dyslexic podcast is sponsored by Dyslexia Advocation Incorporated, a 501c3 charitable organization located in Baltimore City, Maryland, whose mission is to equip parents of children with dyslexia and other language-based learning disabilities with the necessary tools to help their children become successful readers. You can find them on the web at www.soallcanread.org.